Welcome to Wednesday night. Alex and I and Micah were talking this past Sunday because with three of us up here, there was concern about timing and if we were going to go way too long or something like that. And, and I mentioned to him, I said, I, I've never timed out anything I've done. I just come up with something that I want to say and put the stuff together and whatever it takes, it takes. And if it's 60 minutes, it's 60 minutes. And if it's 25, it's 25. And whatever happens, happens. So... The message that uh, was put on my heart a day or two ago as I was waiting for God to uh, tell me, what do I feed them? Tell, what do I do? And I, I found that it's good to wait on the Lord for that because sometimes he'll give you a good idea. And what he gave me tonight as far as the, the spot he wants, wants to go through is, uh, is in Matthew. So if you open your Bibles, please, to Matthew 7, we will go to a very familiar part we're going to look at the part uh, specifically where uh, Jesus says, I never knew you. And uh, the whole idea of knowing somebody, I, I was listening to the radio, listening to people call in because where I work, talk radio is about the only thing that actually comes in. We got metal ceilings and everything and, and I can pick up one station. And so I hear a lot of people talking, and it's amazing that people will talk about people they know or people they met, and it's, it's like it makes them important or something, and it's really important to their life to say, well, I know so-and-so. And I actually knew a fella, and, and fortunately, I, I, well, I'll, I could say this because he won't listen. Fortunately, I haven't been around him in years because <laughs> he's not that enjoyable to be around, but he knew this fella here in Nashville who was on a radio station, pretty well known, pretty high ratings, I guess. And he used to talk about how he knew this guy and how he was important to the show. And his whole life was built around this DJ. And he told the story about one time how he called in and, and they said, I just saved the show for the day. It's like, really? How did you do that? The talk goes on. It doesn't matter what he was saying, but it was all about building himself up because he knew somebody. And so I started thinking about that and, and how people sometimes say they know Christ, but then if you start asking them some questions and say, like, who is this Christ you know? Tell me about him. And they don't have much to say. And it's remarkable how little they do know about him. So for Jesus to actually end up saying, I never knew you, well, actually the, the converse is also true. that They never really knew Jesus either. So let's go to Matthew 7. I'd like to start at verse 15. Now this is a bit of an intro to what is coming up with I Never Knew You. So beginning at Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears a good fruit, but the diseased tree bears a bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear a bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear a good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. And that moves on to the next section that is subtitled, I Never Knew You, beginning on verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, 
but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will come and say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now, there's a parallel passage in Luke that adds a little bit more to it. And I'd like to insert that Luke passage now at the end, and you will see where we come from this. So if we start from, from Matthew and then stick Luke in on the end, we come with, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are, are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. And verse 43 in Luke comes with, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. And this is the key that Luke puts in here. The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of the evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Now, later in Matthew, in chapter 12, he takes that part, and Matthew inserts it later in the, the passage. For some reason, Matthew splits it up. And Matthew adds in chapter 12, verse 33, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaking leads us to the mouth speaking. And here it comes back again in verse 21 in the original Matthew passage. Not everyone says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, and here comes the abundance of the heart speaking, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? That is the abundance of the heart speaking. The abundance of what is in that heart, and that is evil, leads them to speak of themselves right in front of Jesus Christ himself. And do they talk about Christ or praise Christ? No, they talk about themselves. Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? There are three verbs here. It is, did we not prophesy? Did we not cast out? Did we not do mighty works in your name? And they keep talking about we, we, us, us, instead of talking about Jesus. These people are glorifying themselves and they're doing it right in front of Jesus, which leads Jesus to say in verse 23, and then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. 
That's problem number one. They went and glorified themselves right in front of Christ. That leads us to the five solas of the uh, Christian faith. By scripture alone, by faith alone, by grace alone, by and through Christ alone, and the glory to God alone. And these people talking to Christ, speaking about their own works, blew it on three of the five solas. By grace alone, clearly what they were saying had nothing to do with the grace of Christ, so the strike one. By and through Christ alone, well, they're talking about their own works and what they did, strike two. And glory to God alone, well, they're glorifying themselves. By didn't we do good works in, in your name? And three strikes, you're out. Problem number two, they are counting on their own works to save them. That's not that works are bad, because works can certainly be good, but even good works don't save you. We're saved through Christ only and not the good works that we do. And remember now, good fruit comes from good trees, bad fruit from bad trees. The work mentioned here has led to acts full of pride and notice the text in verse 22. Here it says, On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons, and do mighty works? The fruit here is bad. The fruit is pride. And if the fruit is bad, the tree must be bad. Therefore, the people doing the speaking are bad. Note the text does not refer to this as good works. These people speaking to Jesus did not say, did we not do good works in your name? Because that would create a problem. If they had said that their works were good, and since the works are, are, are not good, that, that leads Jesus to say, I never knew you, depart from me. But if the works were good, then the fruit is good. If the fruit is good, the tree is good, the men are good. So how do we get Jesus saying away from me? I never knew you. So that doesn't work out at all. And that's why the men don't say, have I not done good works? They just merely listed their works. Now we've had Jim explain the intimate nature of the word no more than a few times here. So I don't need to do that again. But I would like to focus on the tense of the verb because it's in the past tense when Jesus said, I never knew you. He didn't look at these men and said, I don't know you, but he said, I never knew you. And that past tense, I think, is very much key here because it's not only past tense now, today, but it's past tense to when Jesus said it there nearly 2,000 years ago in Matthew. Jesus said it in the past tense to these men, who were quite alive 2,000 years ago, and if Jesus is speaking in past tense to the men back then, how much more deeper into the past does that word new apply to us here today at this time reading the word? We're going even deeper into the past. Jesus knowing us from many, many centuries past is a key to our relationship with him. If he knows us back then, in what is for us a very positive way of knowing that we're in good shape. If not, then we have an issue. The key here is that Jesus starts and determines the relationship by him 
knowing us in centuries past. I'd like to go to the Lamb's Book of Life, some references on that. In Revelation chapter 17, verse 8, it says, The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to rise from the bottomless pit and go to destruction. And the dwellers on earth whose names have not been written in the Lamb's Book of Life from the foundation of the world will marvel to see the beast because it was and is not and is to come. Revelation 13, 7 says, Also it was allowed to make war on the saints to conquer them, and authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all who dwell on earth will worship it, everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. And speaking of New Jerusalem, Revelation 21, verse 22 says, And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city was no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of earth will bring their glory to it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no more night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable of false, only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Revelation 20 verse 15 says, If anyone's name is not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Now all these verses show us a security in Christ, a security in the Lamb's book of life, and it also shows election because somebody had to write it in the book. It shows an election from before the foundation, and therefore we're going back to the original when we were originally known. He can't put our names in there if he doesn't know us. So right from the very start, our very relationship with Jesus Christ starts with him knowing us and the names being written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Absolutely, right from the start, he started it all. Numbers 23, verse 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? So the name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. It's not going to change. The decision to put the name in there is not going to change. Our salvation is secure. Doesn't get better than that. Now, when we were born... Ask yourselves, what was your spiritual condition towards God? Because there's basically three alternatives. You were either in some kind of a neutral state, or you were alive, or you were dead. And the Bible answer clearly is the number three choice. We were dead in our relationship to God. Born dead in sin. Psalm 51 verse 5 said, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. You're not just born dead in sin, you're even conceived in sin, pushing it back farther in time again. Ephesians 2 says, 
And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body, of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind." When we get around to Jesus knowing us, we find that also we find God reveals himself to us and he he reveals himself in different ways. He reveals himself to us through his creation. Romans 1.20 says, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, well, those are invisible attributes, have been clearly perceived, yet since the creation of the world... In the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. So also he, uh, he reveals himself through his word. And that's, that's the whole Bible. We don't even need to start quoting that. That's all over. God also reveals himself to us through his son. And Jesus said to him, how long have I been with you? This is in John 14, verse 9. Jesus said, how long have I been with you so long? And you still do not know me, Philip. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. So the whole knowledge relationship of Jesus knowing us is now turned back on us so that we may know the Godhead. And it's done through his creation, through his word, and through his son. And with God's revelation of himself to us, he completes the knowledge relationship where he knew us long ago, and long ago he elected us to show his grace and mercy by saving some, by putting our names in the Lamb's book of life, by making our salvation secure. It's not our choice to do that. We're not actually involved in it other than to be participants in his grace and mercy. He also sent his son to pay our sin debt, to pay our sin debt once and for all. He created us. In Romans 9, it says, Will what is molded say to the molder, Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honor and another for dishonorable use? What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with such patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, that's us, which he has prepared beforehand for glory. That's one of the best verses I've ever read in the Bible. Will what is molded, that would be us or actually anybody that is molded, say to its molder, why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump So the good and the bad are all made out of the same lump. There's nothing inherent in us that makes us any better. Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? What if God, desiring to show his wrath, to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath, prepared for destruction 
God desiring to show his wrath. How much wrath can an almighty God show? To make known his power. And he has endured with much patience these vessels of wrath that were prepared specifically for destruction. Verse 23, in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory. Years ago, I made an example from a, an artist I used to watch on PBS one time, and you might remember the guy. I think his name was Bill Alexander. But one of the things he used to always talk about, virtually every show he'd work it in, was he'd be putting his colors up there, and he would start with dark colors. And then he would start highlighting things as he started putting in trees and things like that. And he always put in, you need dark to see light. Boy, and that's something that I'll preach right here because dark is the, the vessels that are specifically made for God to show his wrath on them. We live around a lot of people like that. In order to make known the riches of his glory for the vessels of mercy, how much more can we enjoy salvation and the grace of God when he comes to us and wakes us out of our sinful slumber and makes himself known to us and reveals himself to us. What good news it is that we don't have to just sit here and study, study like we're doing an algebra class or something like that. Because it is possible for somebody to study away on the Bible, but if God isn't revealing himself and if God isn't opening your eyes, it's not going to make sense. It happened to me for years. I, I used to read Romans and for whatever reason, Romans didn't make a lick of sense to me. I could read some other parts and I'd be in pretty good shape. Now we're talking 25, 30 years ago, something like that. But it come to Romans, it was like, you, you might as well write that in Bulgarian or something. It just wasn't making sense. I would read it slow, didn't matter, it wasn't making sense. But then when the time came and all of a sudden the eyes opened up and it happened to collide with me hearing Sovereign Grace, and hearing about God is sovereign, that's something I didn't hear way back then. I mean, the word sovereign was around, but to hear it in big capital letters, God is sovereign, and there's consequences to that. That jolted me. That meant a lot. So when I come to this passage in Romans 9, about there's nothing inherent in me that's any good because the, the vessels of wrath are created from the same lump of clay that created me. And therefore... Th Thank you, God, that he would come and, and, and work his will on me to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy that he would save somebody like me and that I was prepared beforehand for glory. God comes to us while we are dead in our sin and while dead in our sin, dead from conception, he makes us born again. He fills us with the Holy Spirit. And through his creation, through his word, and through his son Jesus, he makes himself known to us. And through scripture alone, through faith alone, through grace alone, by and through Christ alone, and to God's glory alone, 
He saves sinners like us. We will never have Jesus tell us, I never knew you, because he knows us all too well. A great price was paid for our salvation because our sin was that great, because he knows us all too well. Thank God for Jesus Christ that he would come to sinners like us and pay the price given the way we are. Thank God that he would open up our eyes to how bad we were and how depraved we were, but he comes to us in our sin and step by step by step, the spirit works in us and the battle continues to rage inside. Again, as Paul says in Romans, where the spirit and the the man of flesh inside continue to battle each other. That's, we all stumble. But he knew us before the foundation of the earth. He came and got us, and then through his revelation, he has revealed himself to us so that we may know him. And the circle of knowledge gets complete, and it becomes complete in our salvation. And it's all through him, through Jesus Christ and what he did for us. And that's all I wanted to highlight tonight. Isn't it nice to be saved? Yes.